How about family, Bart? How are you fixing that department? Well, my folks live in Brooklyn with my uncle. Mine have passed on. Yeah, it's just the three of us now. What's that expression? Me, myself, and I. Sure. That's tough. But in a sense, we're all alone in the world, aren't we, Charlie? I'm often surrounded by family and friends, but... Huh. You're no stranger to loneliness, then. episode 45 of dude and a monkey uh should be a good one today i'm i'm feeling the positivity um coming up on this week's show uh we will be reviewing uh due to local cinemas seemingly pulling showings of both old boy and home front for me uh instead we're going to be taking a look at alexander payne's oscar bovera nebraska uh we're also going to be doing some one old one new we're going to talk about some trailers and we're going to take uh, take a look at the night latest part in our Christmas Merry Fun, uh, which is Bob Clark's classic seminal 1974 horror Black Christmas. So there's uh, a clue on why I think about the film. At Dude the Monkey, at Dude Foz, at Ian Loring, and Dude the Monkey at gmail.com for all questions, queries, feedback, whatever. Uh, Mark, you got anything else to say? Uh, no, no, let, let's do this shit. Right, let's go on then. So, Mark, what trailers have you been watching this week? Um, I, I've watched a few, not many. Uh, I watched the new trailer for Pompeii. Um, it still looks like it's going to be a CGI-infested bar fest. Uh, I don't get why you would write a a story into uh, what could just be a sort of historical disaster movie. Why you've got to write a 
a love story and a battle story and all this like it just seems very Paul W.S. Anderson and um, I just don't get along with his films at all um, what's the trailer for uh, Bella Kiss a what looks like it's probably going to be a straight to VOD uh, horror film uh, I have no intention of ever watching the actual film because the trailer was goddamn boring um, trailer for Reasonable Doubt have you seen this trailer? no for the uh, Dominic Cooper and Samuel L. Jackson film, okay. uh, looks looks like a solid, you know, um, solid thriller. To be honest, we, we spoke a little bit last week about the fact that there's 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 not that many thrillers anymore. They always tend to be action thrillers, and they tend to be more action sure, weighted yeah. than, than thriller weighted. Uh, this uh, idea of this is um, from the trailer. What the idea you get is Dominic Cooper plays a hotshot lawyer who. He's involved in a hit and run, um, and then when they bring in Samuel L. Jackson as uh, the guy that they they think was committed the hit and run, um, he ends up being working on the prosecution and drops the case. Uh, then starts to find out that maybe uh, Samuel L. Jackson's character wasn't quite as innocent as as first may have seemed. Um, Dominic Cooper versus Samuel Jackson. Uh, I'm pretty much up for that. Looks like it's going to be a solid entertainment. Even though you just expect Samuel L. Jackson to win that particular fight. Oh yeah, that would if it, if it was an actual physical fight, uh, I, I think Dominic Cooper would, would fail. I, I, I think um, even I think even a mental battle of the wits, I could still see Samuel L. Jackson. I haven't seen the trailer, so I mean, I suppose I don't know yeah. what other character he's playing, but. Uh, he's playing a, a very unhinged-looking character. It, it does, like I say, it looks like it's going to be a really solid, entertaining watch. Um, and you know, it, I think it's good that Dominic Cooper is getting, you know, sort of Hollywood roles because he is actually a really fucking solid actor, and it's nice that he's not going to end up just kind of sort of flitting around being the token Brit and everything. Um, you know, he's. He's definitely certainly paid his dues with stuff like Devil's Double and stuff like that, which he was very good in. Um, so, yes, yeah, looking forward to that. That could be quite an entertaining watch. Um, finally, a trailer for Nurse 3D, uh, a film that looked like it was never going to happen, um, because it started out originally as a concept art for a poster, and then they've written a film around oh, God. it. God, all right, fair enough. Uh, but then again, Friday the 13th started out as a poster. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you know, look up there. Um, it it looks it looks like a trashy, ridiculous um, horror film, but it's Paz de la Herta, um running around being mental and not wearing a lot of clothes. So yeah, I'm in. I'm I'm, I'm well up for that uh, in every single well, way you can. And um, that reminds me, did you hear that Nymphomaniac is going to be on US VOD before cinemas over there? I did, yeah, but it's on cinemas over here before that. Oh, is it? it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's coming out in UK cinemas in February. Ooh, let me have a look. Uh, I'm sure. There's one out, I think it's the second week in February, the third week in February, unless they've changed that schedule. Um, So, yeah, uh, but it all depends on which versions we're getting of of, of Nymphomania. Is that, eh? Um, Because... It depends. It depends whether or not the the hardcore versions will get shown uh, in UK cinema. I'm having a look. Nymphomaniac, seventh of March, part one. Part two, the fourteenth of March. And when's it on VOD in the US? March and April, isn't it? 
March, yeah, 22nd, and then the 2nd of April, I think, isn't it? Right, okay. Um, looks like I'm going to have to be dodgy looking as fuck. Like, uh... oh, I, I, do you know what? I, I am tempted to fucking walk in clutching a bottle of lube and a box of cleaners. Oh, mate, I tell you what. Bloody hell, that's a weekend, the 14th of March. Nymphomaniac, Need for Speed, Nymphomaniac, Under the Skin, and Zero Theorem. There's a there's another one. There's another weekend that I saw. Are you on launching film? Yeah, I am. Bloody Nymphomaniac Part One comes out the same weekend as as Grand Budapest Hotel. Oh God. There is there is a week coming up in the next couple of months, and I looked at it and was just like, that is fucking insane. There's about five films coming up soon. There's a month where there's about five, the week where there's about five films that I went. Yep, oh, mate, yep, I think I yep. think I found it. Maybe. Which one is it? 24th of January, you've got Grudge Match, which I know you're into. Yes. Her, Inside Louis yes. Davis, Jack Ryan, yes. and yes. I, Frankenstein? No. no. <laughs> uh, Grudge Match, Her, Inside Louis Davis. Uh, yeah, Jack, that, that was the one, yeah. That is a fucking hell of a what is it? A hell of a week. But then, you know... Week after that, you've got Lone Survivor and Out of the Furnace both out. Then February the seventh, yeah, it was that one. It was Robocop. Jesus Christ! Like I'm, I'm probably only going to have time for one film in the cinema a week if I'm lucky at that time. Mm -hmm. Like so, the tenth of January, Twelve Years a Slave. After oh, dude, dude, yeah. Oh man, if you've only got time uh, for one film a week. Friday the 7th of March, you know when you're going to be watching Grand Budapest Hotel? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think you're going to be, mate. Why? 300 Rise of an Empire's oh, out. fuck, what? Oh, <laughs> Jesus. I actually thought you were being serious then, fair play. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. God, no. No, the, the, the thing is, I mean, with Nymphomaniac, I kind of think whether I go and see that in the cinema or not is maybe going to depend on reviews. Whether I go and see it in the cinema is going to depend on on to be honest which versions we get. To there, there, there is that as well because I mean like I can't see I can't see my local Cineworld putting on the no. hardcore version of Nymphomaniac. I can't see View putting it on either. No, so yeah. So if it, if it shows up pictures, but I, I don't know. It, it's it's a funny one. It, it might be one that that I'll I'll watch probably on VOD just just because it'll probably arrive VOD before it. I could see that just getting released in like eight cinemas in London. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe uh, it, it depends. It's oh, it's well, it's Curzon distributing it, so I could actually I could see them just putting it on um, Curzon on demand. Hmm. Yeah. I could totally see them doing that, actually. And if they do, I'll pay a tenner of one week and a tenner the next. Yeah, I'd happily do that. I'd happily do that. If it, the thing is, if it literally, if it's Curzon distributing it and not Artificial Eye, because they're the same company, then I would hazard a guess that Curzon, it, it's going to be on Curzon on demand, because otherwise they'd release through Artificial Eye. Hmm. We'll wait and see. Anyway, that's a bit of inside baseball. But um, any any other trailers, Mark? Uh, yes, the Amazing Spider-Man Two. Hmm. Um, I I liked the first Amazing Spider-Man. I, I went into it. Uh, Spider-Man's not a 
a comic book character that I had any kind of affection for at all, nor do I have any affection for the uh, Sam Raimi films. I've I watched all three of them. I've watched all three of them just once, um, and I, I never ever need to see them again. I was mildly entertained by the first two, um, and the third was just it. It, it was. It just didn't work, did it? Let's be honest. I don't think anyone will will try and defend that. Um, so I went into the 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 latest one, the main Spider Man. To be honest, not really expecting anything out of it, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I think this it looks well. It looks like a Spider Man movie, um, and. The thing is, it, it, it seems to have angered a lot of people. And I, I look at it and think, well, it is Spider-Man. He, he's only got, really, like, a few things he can do. <laughs> and one of them is going to be swinging around. Uh, it does, again, look very computer gaming. Um, but then again, I think a lot of the that, that kind of ilk of... Um, of comic book movies do end up looking sort of quite computer gamey. Uh, it, it's, it's the kind of the neon because I, I think it's kind of tied into electro that everything's like super bright neon. and colourful, and, mm. and I think you know I, I think it's referring to that. I mean the that one shot towards the end really reminded me of like Pacific Rim, like the Tokyo Battle. Yeah. And I wonder if that's just kind of gonna be a new cinematography du jour kind of thing in blockbusters. Yeah, I mean these things do happen. Sort of, they they, they do have little ways where everything looks quite similar for for a while, and then something new happens, and it and it goes that way. Um, a lot, you know, it, it does look like there might be um, there might be a little bit too much going on. Um, I think in in a way with something like let's say the Avengers, I think you can get away with having a two. And I I had problems with Avengers, but I think you can get away. With having a two and a half hour movie out of the Avengers because you know there's, there's that many different characters that you that you're having, um, but I think if this to incorporate two big villains and the you know and then to put um, Osborn in there as well, um, you, it seems like it's going to end up being two hours plus. And I, my worry there is that there's they try to cram too much into too long not too short i i reckon i mean like apparently rhino paul giamatti's character apparently he's only in it in like the first 10 or 15 minutes like he's mm. part of the first big action set piece and then he's brushed aside i'm guessing he'll be back in future installments yeah like electro i think is going to be a one and done and yeah. green goblin i can see harry osborne kind of suiting up in the third act and it just basically setting up the next film. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I to be honest, I, I didn't know that um, Dina Hame had been cast as as, as Osborn in it. I, I had that's a, cool casting, man. Forgot, uh, and if I, but then I saw it and thought, ooh, that's that's a good bit of casting because he looks, he looks slightly unhinged, yeah. and he can, you know, you know that he can he can pull that off, and he does look like he, he could have that about him, so. Do you know what? I, I, I went into the last one thinking it looked a little bit ropey and I probably wouldn't like it and I really liked it. I'm going to go into this one going, do you know what? I, I think that uh, Garfield works really well as Spider-Man. Fuck it. I'm, you know, 
I'm excited. I'm not, not like super pumped, but do you know what? Yeah, fuck it, bring it on. I want. I, I could I'd happily watch another instalment of that. I, I don't share this this feeling that a lot of people seem to share that. Oh, you know that it'd be loads better if Marvel controlled this one. It's a bit like, well, do you know what? Maybe it's nice to have a Marvel character film that isn't just going to be part of the Avengers universe, having something separate from that. Oh, yeah, no, I think that's that, I think that's a fair comment. I mean, it would be nice one day if, like, these films stopped making money and then Marvel were able to buy the rights back off of Sony or something. It would be nice to see that, but I think that's a fair point. And I, I think it's almost like rea- um, negative reactions to this trailer are kind of because of people being disappointed with the first one and they're mm. kind of taking that... into this i mean i'm not a massive lover of the first one i do own it on blu-ray but um it was i mean frankly it was because it was it was 3d blu-ray and it was cheap um but it it, you know and the problem with the first one is that narratively it's i think it's very very dodgy they obviously made choices to cut stuff out at a very very late stage and it hurt the film so Mm. that this the thing is i think same creative team, and then you've got this trailer, which has got so many villains and things going on. You know, I mean, like the the the, the Gwen Stacy. I mean, like the Gwen Stacy things. Probably she's probably going to get killed in this one um, at, at the end, um, and it's it's gonna. I think it's going to be by Harry Osborn. You know, I think they're gonna they're gonna change that in the mythology. Um, mm. And, and, you know, it's going to set up the third one. But, I mean, you've got, you're going to have Electro. You're going to have an entire backstory for him. You're going to have a backstory for, for Harry. Uh, you're going to have the continuation of Gwen and Peter. And you've got to give enough time to that to make her probable death feel impactful. It just, it's obviously going to be over two hours. And, I mean, mm. at, at least they've shown some restraint by cutting out Mary Jane, even though then again, that could be because apparently, like, there was some word that Shailene Woodley wasn't very good in the role. So, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what to think on this. And the thing is, like, because I know um, Noel and Mike were being quite militant about how much they didn't like the trailer. Or, uh, and maybe, maybe it was more Noel. I, I hope he doesn't mind me um, saying that, but I, I, I think he kind of was. And the thing is, I don't disagree with anything that he's saying, it does look like it could be cluttered, and, you know, it, it, it does look like a kind of a neon-drenched nightmare, but I think, in terms of what the story and the villains are going to be, I think that feels appropriate, and I like the wider mythology they're setting up, I just hope they actually do something with it in this one compared to the first. Yeah, it's one of those things where it... it, it... It could go either way. It could be an absolute clusterfuck of, of, of it nonsense. It could be terrible. But, That's the thing. I, I'm I'm reserving judgment because I, it could it, it, be it, terrible. It definitely could be terrible. But then again, I, I the reason why I've been a little bit more positive that the most is I thought the first one was going to be terrible sure. and actually turned sure. out to quite enjoy it. Don't, don't get me wrong. It, it, it has a lot of fucking problems, the first one. But it kept me entertained for, you know, for it, it, its duration and... At the end of it, I went, do you know what, I like that. And in in a year where a, a lot of comic book movies didn't manage to do that for me, I, it, it, it kind of stood out, you know. It might be one of those movies where I go back and watch it again, because I've only watched it the once, you say. I might go watch, back and watch it again and go, well, do you know what, I'm not going to watch that again, because it diminishes whenever I watch it. So, 
I'll probably watch it before I go and see um, that one, the next one. But you know, back it. I'm 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 ready to to, to be wowed or disappointed. Nice. Uh, that's it for trailers. That's all, that's all I've watched. Is anything? Yeah, no. That, that only trailer I watched oh. this week. That was it. I, I've I've had a super fucking busy week. So is it what it is? What it is. Cool. And yeah, I literally have as well. And I watched I watched all of those. Except for Spider-Man, about ten minutes before. Nice. Yeah. No. Fair enough. Um. Okay. So let's let's get on then, and uh, we are going to take a look at the trailer uh, at, at uh, Nebraska. We're going to review Nebraska. So um, here's a clip from it, and let's get into it. There's Woody's little sister Rose. She was only 19 when she was killed in a car wreck near Wasa. What a whore. Mom. No, I like Rose, but my God, she was a slut. Come on. Now, I'm just telling you the truth. Where's your family? Oh, they're over in the Catholic cemetery. Catholics wouldn't be caught dead around all these damn Lutherans. <laughs> Here's Delmer, Woody's cousin. He was a drunk. One time we were wrestling, and he felt me up. Grabbed a handful of boob and Woody was right there and didn't have a clue, did you, Woody? Okay, so Nebraska, directed by Alexander Payne, starring Bruce Dern, uh, Will Forte, June Squibb, and Stacey Keach. Story is uh, Bruce Dern plays uh, an old man who receives a scam letter through the post saying that he's won a million dollars, and instead of just like posting the thing off like he um like like it tells him to because he's afraid of the postal system essentially and what they might do he decides to uh walk to nebraska to try and um claim it uh when his son basically gets involved and try and, and tries to get him to stop going he again tries to walk there and so decides fuck it i'll just take him to nebraska uh while on the way there they stop in at um their hometown where the words that uh, woody bruce Stern's character has become a millionaire um starts off old not not resentments but like the pe- the leeches come out of the uh come out of the system trying to get money off him and the biggest one of all is uh ed uh woody's old business partner played by stacy keach Mark, what did you think of Nebraska? Um, I I enjoyed Nebraska to be honest. Uh, overall, uh, I don't think it's it's by no means perfect. Um, it it irritated me that there were certain things that irritated me quite a lot in it, uh, and there's there's certain things of the way that people have, have spoke about Nebraska has has kind of wound me up um, for probably no reason, um, but. All right, you know, all right. I, I actually really enjoyed Nebraska. It was a, it was a nice film to sort of spend time with, uh, it, and it's not a particularly nice film. Uh, the, it, it's a, it's a well directed film. Uh, I don't think that I, you know, as an appearance, it's the first film I think he's made in a while that he's not written. Uh, written by Bob Nelson. Well, The Descendants uh, it, was written by, uh, Jim. Something. Oh, Jim Nash, of course it was. Yes, so ignore what I just said. Out, it was complete crap. Sorry, um, but yeah, it's. Um, I think at, at, at points there was some scenes uh, where it was a little bit like the uh, exposition bell was being rung very loudly, um, and there were uh, the occasional moments that I'll come that we'll come to later on where 
pains um Parchon for being a little bit kind of quirky, um grated on me a little bit, but it's it, it, it's two characters that are actually quite enjoyable to spend time with, um, in Woody and Dave. You know, they are you know, Woody. He, although it's it's very much kind of made out that he's a bad guy. He, he's never, you know, there's no. The backstory is that he was a little bit kind of a, he was a drunk and a bit neglectful, um, but he wasn't an abusive drunk or anything like that, um, and. You know, there's his relationship with his son is is kind of fractured. It's not a broken relationship. Um, it's definitely powered by some, you know, some some enjoyable performances. Yeah, I mean, I I, I was worried going in because I was kind of thinking, is the film gonna, you know, kind of forgetting who Alexander Payne is and the films that he's done so far. I was I was worried thinking that it was going to be all building resentment like leading up to yeah. kind of like them shouting each other and then having hearts to hearts and then and then and then kind of get like getting back on side with each other and that kind of thing and I was I was kind of surprised that it was as just kind of matter of fact as it was it was just yeah. like a situation they got into in their life and they maybe spent a bit more time together than they usually do um now, I, I mean, frankly, I mean, like, this is going to be interesting because I really, really, really fucking liked it. I really liked it. Um, I thought it, it, it was it was re- gorgeous looking. I, I thought black and white yeah. suited it down to the ground. Yeah, without my, why worry a little bit always when uh, when filmmakers choose nowadays to shoot in black and white is whether or not they're just doing it. Um, to seem a little bit more artsy, uh, and and there are there are filmmakers who do that. There have been films where you watched it in black and white and gone, right, I don't understand why this is in black and white, but I absolutely one hundred percent understand why this is in black and white. Yeah, it it it, it feels better in black and white. It, it, it the, and the moment that it felt better to me was was really early on um, when. He's uh, when he, he when he takes him back to the house the first time, and he just goes in and sits down on the, on the couch. Yeah. And for some reason, there, I brain just clipped and went, "Yeah, this is the, the, the somberness of black and white suits this." Yeah, that's that's the thing. It is. I think somber is a very very good word because generally that's what this film is. And I mean, it it doesn't. It toned down the the cloying quirkiness of the descendants for me um you know the whole kind of like george clooney just like running around and in in, in were you shorts a fan of the descendants? it was it was all right i didn't I, <laughs> I certainly didn't hate the descendants but i i thought it was one of the more overrated films of of uh, i suppose last year technically in the uk um yeah i mean yeah. I, I i liked the descendants but one of my one of my big issues with the descendants was that there was occasional moments where um, Clooney's character acted a little bit too goofy for the situation that he was in. I think the, the, the key moment was when he, uh, when he's going up to Matthew Lillard's house, and he's, he's kind, kind of, of hiding. Running, yeah, and, he, and I thought, right, that's that's an outright kind of 
slapstick comedy-esque moment in what is quite a serious, you know, film that has comedy leanings to it. Yeah, um, I, I, I just, I, I felt that film didn't mesh with pain as well as anything else be... pain has done, to be honest. Mm. Um, but yes, I mean, it's gorgeous looking. Um, I think, I, I, I thought Dern and Forte worked really well together. I was very impressed by Forte. I, I, I thought he was great. He just, you know, he learns all these things about his, about his dad and he just kind of takes them in. And mm. yeah, I mean, there are, you know, if either of them got nominated for an Oscar, I think Dern is far more likely than Forte, just given how the business is, the business is. But yeah, we'll come to that. Yeah, later. I think I think both have fine moments in this that could be Oscar clips that don't necessarily feel like Oscar clips. Like there's the moment where towards the end where Forte punches out Keach, and mm. it's just the the way he just looks at him and then turns around. And I was kind of thinking, like, he's, well, he's going to punch him. But then, like, the kind of, like, the him thinking it through in his head. And just in that moment, how he is just standing up for his dad. And I like the the whole thing, which felt very real to me, of, like, close relatives giving people shit, but then if anybody outside of them attacks them, they, they'll they leap to their defence. Like, June, June Squibb, the... Um, the, the moment where the uh, the relatives are asking for money and then she says, yeah, she's just like, hang on a second. No, he, he, you might have lent us some money, but the amount of stuff that he's done for you, I tallied it up. I, and immediately the the other to the other members, of the, <laughs> excuse me, of the family just back off. I, I thought that was lovely. And I, I mean, I thought she was very good as well. Um, she had her moments of kind of more funny situations but you know yeah like... I, I i had i had i had a bit of an issue with her whole character today. oh really well go on um i, I get the idea no, no not her character um certain points of, of how her character was used um kind of just didn't just didn't feel right to me um the the her flashing herself and remember guys we are all spoilers all the time um i think we sometimes forget to say this if we've got any new listeners um you know when she flashed herself to the gravestone i thought well that that felt a little bit weird um but then i don't know whether like this is going to be one of those moments where i don't whether the whether it was the film's fault or the audience i was watching the film's fault that a moment irritated me and it's the moment, you know, when she tells the family to uh, fuck off. Yeah. Everybody in my screening laughed. Did you did you laugh at that moment? Yeah, I did. Right. See, now this is this is uh, one of those little inflections that I have, and it, it it's there's certain things that grate on me in cinema, and one of them is Fat Man Fall Down, uh, and the other one is when old people swear. Now. When it's used as a comic device, which it seems that it was used there as a comic device because I'm the only person that didn't appear to find it funny, um, it just makes me go, oh, fucking hell. I, the thing is... Really? It, it, like, if she just said that, I'd agree with that. But it's the way that it kind of builds up to that. And then it's like she's just she's just exasperated and then just comes out with it. I, I, I thought it was fine. I could see... I can I can kind of see what you meant, but 
I was fine with it. It, it 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 was one of the moments that, that in the in the film that that kind of that bugged me a little bit. But then again, it it, it sounds like it's just one of those moments that it, it sounds like it was more a button pusher for me right, rather than anything else. I don't know why, but the the idea of I mean it's funny because she's old and she said the word fuck just kind of really really. The, the thing me. is, it it wasn't it wasn't really the fact oh old lady say fuck. It it was just how it built up and built up and then by the end of it she just she just came out with it i i you know it it wasn't it wasn't just the fact that it was an old lady swearing that made me laugh if it, it it was the situation and what built up to it mm, i i i can probably see that it's probably one of those things where it, it, like i say it's a button pusher for me yeah fair enough a very strange button pusher um but yeah, I think maybe I was a bit a bit harsh on her. Yeah, she, the fact that later on in the film they do call her as being, a, a, you know, a bitch is quite good because she is an absolute knobhead in this. You know, she's the, she, the whole idea of the film is that you're supposed to think that Woody's the the bad guy of it all, um, and when you get her in there, she's just pretty much horrible to everybody. Who? Sorry. The mother. What, James Quick? Yeah, did you find out? Did you find a, 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 a thoroughly horrible person? No. Did, honestly, didn't you? No. Oh, I thought she was horrible. Really? Why? Yeah. The bit where she's saying all, pointing out how all of his relatives died and how horrible they were, and pointing out all their flaws. It was just the. I thought that was just. Wow. Okay. Wow, alright, I'm actually, like, we're, we're having a bit of back and forth on this. This is interesting. Um, I, the fact that she's, I just, she's constantly selfish. But the, 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 she's the, constantly going on about how no one ever worries about how this affects me. Old people are like that, but Yeah, but old people are... some Old people that are like that... Just, right, alright, she reminded me of somebody, we'll say she that. She reminded me of my mum. She reminded me of my gran. They, well, I mean, that, uh, uh, is that not a good thing that the film is like hit God. on something where it's just like, shit, yeah, It's probably a good performance, but she's a, I thought she was a horrible person. I, it's just, I, I don't know, like, she reminded me of my mum, and I don't think my mum's horrible. It's just like, I'm it's, sure, I'm sure, I've met your mum, your mum's lovely. Yeah, well, there you go. Um, it's. But I've also met my gran, and my gran's a terrible person. <laughs> I mean, it's just not having a filter. Or not giving a shit, you know, and but, uh, like. But, but surely, when you're doing that, and you're basically stood there saying about but, the guy, she's not, dead she's mom, not the guy's doing dead it to grandpa. wind him up. She's just coming out with it. She, you know, it. It's like I don't know. It, it, it's like old people who. Well, I mean, I mean, like my my dad or Donna's dad. You know, they they're not necessarily homophobic, but they find gay people it's something outside of their experience and so they have quite a, a funny oh oh bloody hell dad kind of reactions to to stuff at times you know and i mean and they'll come out with stuff that they don't mean to sound harsh because it's just in their own context in their own life it's not harsh it's just generationally you know it, there are different ways of saying things or, or different ways of different attitudes to have and i i just Thought it was like that. I just, I just thought, yeah, that's, that's bang oh, I, on. I, I, I thought she, she was supposed to be a bit of a, 
not bad. I, I, I didn't really. I just thought she was supposed to be an, like an old lady with her, with her own faults and whatnot. But I also, you know, I, I don't know. I thought she was very funny. I mean, the, the bit in the car with the air compressor where she's saying like, those people are salt in the earth. And I really don't like what you did. They didn't serve oh, that, you that, just that, was, that. That, that was fucking that, brilliant. That was brilliant. I must admit that, that was one of the, the great moments of the film. See, I'm, I'm saying this, and it sounds like I don't like the film. I actually really it's, did really like the film. You know what, it's, it's, it, it's that thing that I, I always do as well, where, like, if I, if I like a film, but people... I do this on Heroes quite a lot, but if other people like it more than me, I battle against it. It's just, you know, I, I, know, what, I, I know what you mean. Mm. Uh, yeah. I think to me, she was a she was a terrible person. She was a horrible person. She, she made me laugh a lot, and I I just outright she felt hated her. Um, yeah. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, no. I mean, it, it, like I, I I thought she was great. Uh, Stacey Keach, I loved, I loved that role. Um, and, oh, I I think it's it's almost impossible to not look Stacey true, Keach in everything. True, but I mean, it just it, it's the, this whole film. It's the fact that. It's interesting you said earlier on about exposition-y, and I got that in a couple of cases, but one of the things I really liked about it is that it does feel lived in. I think, you know, certain relationships and whatnot, it just, I don't know, there, 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 are, there are things, in, like when he when he comes out with stuff about how he helped out Woody when he when he was drunk and whatnot, and like, it, 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 you kind of think, well, maybe that's, maybe there's a grain of truth to that, but it's just the way you're going about it and the way you're going about it is so controlling and like saying, I'm being a nice guy about this. I'm the victim, but controlling yeah. the situation. But then the look on his face at the end where mm. Woody drives past in the truck and it, it's just a look of like, shit, you've beaten me. I I, yeah. I thought I, I thought I was the winner all this time in this, personal duel but no you beat me like what have i got because there is also the insinuation that frankly he's got nothing else in his life the stacy keach character you know he sold his business to to some mexican guys uh, you know and spends all his time in that yeah, one and he's bar. only ever in that tavern yeah exactly exactly and i think it was it was it was very subtly handled about the fact that they don't go into that bar first. Sure. He goes into another bar, gets drunk, and then... And then feels like he can take it. Feels like he can yeah. go... And, and he goes into the bar and, you know, it's the, let's see if I know anyone in here. And at first, when he goes, no, you know anyone, you just think, oh, the town's changed. And then it isn't until he goes into the other bar and he sees everyone that he knows that you go, ah, he went into the first bar because you knew he'd know nobody in there to build himself up to go into the next sure. bar. Um, and it, it was... Because he barely says anything, really, in the film, um, on a general basis, you know, his character says very little, would he? Does he? Well, no, yeah, no, exactly. But it's um, all in his body language and, like, the, the, well, the fact that he's just constantly staring off until the end. Yeah, it, it, it was... It, it's, it's, it's good that... There's those little kind of looks into into you know the character in terms of the his actions and the way he does things you know that that was that works really well. Yeah. No. Uh, absolutely. Sorry, I've just got <laughs> just got a fucking weird text off my dad. I think he mistyped something. He's just <laughs> he's just typed it. Like, but he just tried to phone me while we were talking, and I just said, "Oh, it's everything all right? I'm a bit busy." And he's just typed in "plo." 
and then like another line and then P and then like 30 seconds later he's just he's just typed in oh sorry I'm okay <laughs> and that was it it's just like what oh uh, sorry uh yeah um so um I, I sorry Mark I do apologize what what, what, what I was just saying about it, about the fact that there was a subtlety to um, to their yeah. character and not things. It's very much you are you you kind of waiting a little bit um, throughout the entire film and thinking in the back of your mind, God, I, I hope we don't have that big emotional crescendo. I was because... waiting for it, man. Like when he when he. Uh... Left the uh, the left the office where they typed it into the computer and said no you haven't won. I, yeah. I was just expecting him to kind of break down or something. And yeah, something like that. And it, it would have felt a bit incongruous to, to the rest of the movie. Really, I was just, you know? throughout the whole thing, I was waiting for something to just snap me out of it, and it yeah. just didn't yeah, exactly, the entire yeah. way through. That that you know, because at first I thought there was a point where when he loses the ticket. Uh, and I thought, shit, are they actually not going to go? Am I not going to get them to see him walk into this office and go, can I have that? And and then it would have been a bit like, really, they're just going to go back. He's going to have this moment of realisation where you know he realises that it was stupid and he, we're going to get this big emotion. I just wanted something to live for. And it never happened. And I thought that was great. And I thought one of the one of the best scenes in the in the in the entire film was. Just after uh, he leaves the office, uh, and Will Forte's character just turns around to the oh, yeah. the lady at the thing and says, "This happened a lot," and she's like, "Yeah, you know, not a lot, but you know, occasionally." And he's like, "Yeah," and she's like, "You know, mostly it's you know, it, it's all the folks like you, like your dad." And it, it 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 it's that where you go, "Yes, you've done it right. You've not you've not done what every." Everybody was either expecting or worrying was going to happen. You've you've stuck to the the reality of it all. Absolutely. Even though I, I must say, I also like the bit after that where you know uh, Will Forte's character just says like, well, you know, he just believes when when people say something to him, he believes it, and then she's just like, oh yeah, yeah, that's sad. You know, and it's just yeah, it's, the, the, the the little exchanges like that just through through the film, I just. I thought I, I thought were funny, like I mean, like the, the the bit where all those guys are just sat in in there watching the football, and Bob Odenkirk's character comes in and um, they're chatting, and then um, Will Forty's just like, um, so how long did it take you? And it's just like he's fallen into that <laughs> trap, like those those the uh, the cousins like asking earlier on, and the, 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 those cousins as well. I mean, like they I, I don't know they, <laughs> they they were good value. I thought like they're they're they're. Um, their amusement at um, how yeah. long it took Will Forte to drive there was good. The, the, the what is it? The, um, I drove there in, uh, 800 miles in 10 hours. It, it was, it, it was like, that's over, that's over 100 miles an hour. Like, yeah. Yeah. And it, 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 it's the, it's the, you can see him so desperately want to go. That's, you get so many points you can see him thinking, I could really just call him on this, but I don't want to. No, and like, the, the old um, and when he when he um, says, "Oh, you know, we'll drive you to the ticket office ourselves," uh, you know, it'll only take an hour. And he's like, "Yeah, but it's two hundred miles." He's like, "Okay, hour and a half." Hour and a half. That's, that's great. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. 
But it, there's a, a moment where when all the family's there and um, Bolognick and, uh, and his and Will Forte walk out uh, and they're walking out um, just to have a chat and you, you look at them going, they're the only two normal people yeah. in this film so far. They're the only two people that don't have some kind of crazy not not craziness because they don't feel um they, the the people in it don't feel like people that don't exist but they're the only people that seem to get an outside world yeah, sure. that seem to live in the real world not this um this cloaked kind of small town americana kind of world um and they're the look, there's a look that they just kind of give each other where they don't actually say it, but it's a look of what 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 are we doing yeah, here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the, the, you have the great moment where they steal the compressor. It, we, uh, it just phenomenal. <laughs> like what, that that conversation when they're driving away is so yeah. fucking good. The, the, there was there was one line that that I there was no, sorry, there was two lines in the movie that I outright just burst out laughing at and nobody else laughed at it and in what was you know and i'm glad to say it was a pretty packed screening to be yeah. honest um and one of them was the uh the line where the where, um bob Anker says what have you ever seen us steal heavy machinery and for some reason that line just killed me <laughs> I don't know why, but it was just the line delivery of it, and just the ridiculousness of the line. But you can kind of see that that's the sort of thing that two people would do. Yeah. And that worked. And the other line was quite early in the film, where he sees his dad, uh, just after he said the the conversation with his ex-girlfriend, and he's driving, he sees his dad, and he stops, and he says, Dad, Dad, and his dad just turns, just turns around and goes, "Oh, leave me alone!" Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that I burst out laughing, and it, I, I was incredibly conscious of the fact that I was the only person laughing. Yeah, no, I had a, I had a couple of moments like that myself actually, but um, actually it was mainly during uh, the June Squib in the graveyard bit that you didn't like, like the shit she was coming out with. I was just laughing to myself pretty much throughout the entire thing. I, I, mm. I don't know, like she. Good fucking work. I don't know who else is in the best supporting actress race this year, but I, I would be fine with her. Actually, I think uh, a lady from Twelve Years a Slave is supposed to be the favourite, I believe. But like, I yeah. hope I hope June, June Scrub gets a nomination. I hope Bruce Dern gets a nomination. Um, you know, I mean, like, probably not Will Forte to be honest, but Stacey Keach maybe for supporting. That would be fine. Um, yeah, he, he's very good. At, I mean, I. Thing is, he's with the whole Bruce Dirty, and he he's very very good in this. Don't get me wrong, he's very good in this. Um, he, I, I find it a little bit strange. I saw a big poster for it before I went in, and it, on the poster there was a quote saying, um, "Bruce Dern delivers a career um, defining performance," and I thought, yeah. after it, I thought, you know, he's very good in it, and it's a very good performance, but it's like. Bruce Stern's a good actor. Why is everyone seem to be so surprised by this? Bruce Stern's, you know, being delivering, you know, good performances. Great, he's not been in massive, highly acclaimed films um, for the past sort of twenty years. 
but he's been delivering fucking good performances for like 40 years. I think I think it's the fact that it's one where he's front and centre and people can actually draw attention to him. You know, like, yeah, and yeah, to be honest, it's probably the last time Bruce Dern is going to be front and centre in a film. And, and, possibly, and people yeah, want to celebrate that, I think. It's I, a story. I, I get that. And I, cause I, I'm a huge uh, Bruce Dern fan, um, massive Bruce Dern fan. Uh, but I just feel it's a little bit like people are saying about, oh, you know, how amazing is Bruce Dern? It's a bit like, um, sorry, have you not seen sure. films like Silent Running and Wild Bill and The Burbs and, you know, have you not seen these films where he's previously been amazing for like 40 odd years? Sure, that's fair. That's fair. Um, it just feels a little bit like it, it. it's like now people every year have to have this, you know, that older actor delivering great performance film. And it's a bit like, God, look, look how good Bruce Dern is in this. You know, well, like it's almost a bit condescending, like. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Perfect. Yeah, condescending because he's he's fucking Bruce Dern. You know, he's he's in Django Unchained for what a minute, yeah, about thirty seconds. Yeah, marvelous. Yeah, it's true. You know, he's great in the um, in the hall. You know, that comic relief. You know, he's magnificent as comic relief in uh, the Burbs. It's one of the great comedic performances. I just feel a little bit like it's it, when people it, it, a lot of the people who are saying you know, oh Bruce Dern delivers a career defined performance it's a bit like saying you know you clearly haven't seen enough Bruce Dern films sure I, I, that's not to take anything away because he's very good I really do feel like I've been incredibly harsh on what is a film that is, that is a film that I really really fucking like yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I think we, we're pretty much done, really. But, um, I mean, have you got any any other, like, com, um, complaints on it? Because I, I don't think you've been super, super, super negative. I think, you know, I, I, don't, I don't feel like you've been raining on my parade at all. So, I mean, there, uh, is there anything else? No, I, 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 I really, I, I really like the film. It, it's, a, it's a really, it's a really nice film um, that's about a not, really nice subject it's about a guy who has hit a bit of a wall in his life and he's seeing his dad's you know state of mind essentially crumbling and him you know everyone else is kind of saying you know you should put him in a home we you know we should get him at home and it, there's this little chink way thinks you know uh, do you know what fuck it if he wants to go to nebraska and that's going to make him happy why not? Yeah, yeah, Why not yeah. give him that last little fucking moment of happiness and give him a break away from, you know, his his wife, you know, and the and the fact that he gets to know his dad over this trip, but not via um, his dad. He gets to know more about who his dad was and his dad's life from other people. But not yes, interact with his dad, you know. The, the, the great, the, the, you know, a lovely moment in it was when he, he's talking to the the woman at the uh, newspaper, and she's talking about the fact that his dad was in Korea. He's like, yeah, well, he's just a mechanic. He's like, yeah, but he was shot down. Yeah. It's like he's like, what? Oh, and then the the fact that he learns that his dad had an affair, and all these other bits that come up, 
but then you don't get the emotional crescendo of it all. Works so well for this movie. Yeah, because again, like when I was saying earlier on, I was waiting for it to kind of like click, take me out of it. When Stacey Keach says that, like you know, he he his, his dad nearly left his mom and thought he was in love with another woman and whatnot, and just the look on Bruce Dern's face of like kind of how like sad, sad and ashamed he is about it. That's all you need. And I, yeah. I think Will Forte's character kind of sees that and just doesn't bring it up because what's the point? I think, yeah, it's very much a, he looks at him and goes as if to say, really? You know, and it's a, so, you know, you had an affair before I was born. But then there's, a, there's almost a realisation from Will Forte's, you know, character that he knows that his parents' marriage was hardly fucking perfect. Yeah, yeah. And he's a bit like, well... You know, can I blame you in a way? Yeah. <laughs> there's, 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 a, there's a bit of that, of a realization that he never, he's never seemed to have held his dad up as like a, a, a figure of, you know, that, that he adores or anything like that. It's just a guy who's his dad. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. And um, with that, I will say definitely not shit. By, no, def- by a look, by a distance. No, definitely not shit. Um, it probably won't be a, a around my 10 of the year, but it, it might be around my 20 of the year. It will very, very, very likely be in my 10. Very likely. Good. I mean, I, 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 good on you. I, 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 like I say, if it seems to people like I have been negative, uh, it, 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 I haven't. It, it, it's, a, it's a really good watch, and it's, it fucking it flies by. Yes, it does. Yeah, for for nearly two hours long, it 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 goes at quite yeah quite a pelt considering the subject matter for sure. Right. Okay. So um, let's move on then, and uh, we shall do some promos from people and podcasts we like, and then we will get into our one old and one new. Are you tired of film podcasts where the hosts exist in a constant, blissful state of agreement? I mean, the main, the main characters are two of the dullest main characters I have ever encountered in any film. Well, you're in luck. Let me introduce you to Chinstroker and Punter. One is an ex-film student with a penchant for David Lynch and art cinema. The other is a man on the street. Listen in perplexed and horrified terror as we tear apart one film a week. Just really It's isn't. not visually striking. No. I just just getting confirmation. It's just in English. That's the third time though. I mean, am I, is this on? You can find us at chinstrokerversuspenser.podomatic.com. So come and share the victory. If you could fuck any man in film, who would it be and why? My answer is Lance Henriksen. Oh. You, you wouldn't tell. He looks like somebody. <laughs> he looks like somebody who can keep, keep a secret. find yourself looking for a different type of genre podcast do you find yourself on the weekends wondering when you will find that one film that might change your life well then maybe you should check out the gentleman's guide to midnight cinema with your host big willie and the samurai bringing class to the trash since 1977 and rocking the house 
You can find the gentleman at ggtmc.com. Bringing class to the trash. And we are back, and it's time for one old and one new. Mark, what would you like to start us off with? Uh, I'm going to throw my... I've, I've not watched a lot this week. I've had an incredibly busy week, uh, but I have managed to watch a one-old and a one Yeah, new. so have I just uh, about. It was touch and, and go. You know, the, the only... Actually, the only four films I've watched this week have been the, the four films that we're going to talk about. Um, I watched uh, Midnight Meat Train uh, again. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Not watched it since since it came out. And bizarrely, I actually... I actually saw this at the cinema, um, bizarrely enough, uh, and that was the last time I saw it. I think I got out of work late, and Becky was out, and Isabel was staying at Becky's parents, and I thought, I'm just going to watch at City Screen and see if anything's on. And and this happened to be on, and I thought, well, fuck it, I'll give it a go. Midnight Meets Red, based on a Clive Barker story of the same name, directed by... Um, Ryui Kitamura. That's the one. Um, and stars uh, Bradley Cooper, uh, um, Brooke Shields, and. No, it's Leslie Bibb, uh, No, Brooke Shields in it as well. She's the art dealer. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, Leslie Bibb uh, and Vinnie Jones. Um, it's a really fucking weird yeah, um, film uh, that works really well. The, the, the idea is that it. it it's portrayed as like a, a serial killer film. You've got uh, Bradley Cooper plays a, a, a an art photographer um, who is trying to take photos of like the city and gets the grainy fucking underbelly of the city and ends up taking photos of um, Vinnie Jones' character, um, who he suspects of being a, a serial killer who operates on the uh, midnight subway trains. And then what you actually end up going into is this weird fucking you know, world where all is... That, that what actually happens is that Vinnie Jones' character is actually an almost immortal, could you say? It, 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 it's one of those where it's really hard to explain because it is a bit that fucking crazy. I mean, that, that's the thing. I mean, like, if you haven't seen it, there is a joy in just how bug yeah. nuts it gets in the third act. And it is, and and also, it, it's one of those where it's called Midnight Meat Train. It stars Vinnie Jones as a serial killer who beats people with a butcher's hammer. It sounds like shit. It sounds like a terrible, terrible, straight to DVD shitty horror movie when actually it's actually a, a really you know well executed enjoyable you know slice of, of, of low budget horror um, I think it, it's hampered a little bit it's budget hampers how far it can go into Barker's um, actual mythology towards the sure. end and I'm, I'm without question going to read the read the story after watching the film uh, again um, it's it, it's fun seeing Bradley Cooper before he became you know the post hangover uh, Bradley Cooper because it, it, it's you know it, he did a lot of work before um, the hangover 
kind of announced him, and you know now you know he's a proper fucking A-lister, isn't yeah. he? You know he's a, not only he's a proper movie star, he's a proper actor as well. He's an Academy nominated actor, you know, and deservedly so for um, Silver Linings Playbook. And you know he's gone to you know American Hustle looks like that's going to be great. You know he's very good in Place Beyond the Pines, but it, it was kind of easy to forget that. He'd been going and he cropped up in stuff like this, uh, and Yes Man, and Wedding Crashes, and, and, and films like this, where he'd always, you know, you'd always noticed him, but he'd always been, you know, he, he was almost a little bit like that guy. And, you know, it's good that The Hangover gave him that exposure to go out, and then to a certain extent as well, being, you know, Face Man in the A team, you know, uplifted him. To, to get roles like like he's going on now, when you know he looks like somebody who almost is doing a reverse McConaughey in a way. That's interesting. He, he, he's got a lot of the you know the, the the sort of the fluffy roles, you know things like like wedding crashes and failure to launch, and you know cutting his more of his acting teeth in things like Midnight Meat Train. Uh, while also still, you know, having to do stuff like All About Steve and things like that, and New York, I Love You, you know, to then actually booming out and going, bang, you know, I, I'm now recognisable enough to go out and do things like Silver Lines Playbook and, you know, American Hustle and stuff that he's got coming up, you know, it, it, it's nice that that's happened, and he's really fucking good in this. Um, Vinnie Jones' character, you know, doesn't say anything, so it fits quite well, because essentially all he is, he's He's this imposing force in it, and all he has to do is kind of look stern, and that's where you know that works well for him. You know he can do that quite well. It's when he starts talking that 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 often his that his performances diminish a little. And he only has like one uh, line in this, doesn't he? Yeah, and and because it's one line, it, it works quite yeah. well. It, it, and it's when he's got a knife through his head. Yeah. So, um, however. One thing that that was highlighted during this second watch is Leslie Bibby's fucking. Yeah, awesome. she's not great. I mean, she's terrible. I mean, and it kind of makes you look back and go, Leslie Bibb's actually not great in a lot of things. Mm. Uh, but yeah, she's fucking awful in this movie. Um, some of her line delivery and when she's trying to be serious, it it, it it's just horrible um but yeah uh, midnight meat train a, a really you know it's if it's one that you've avoided because of, of of what it sounds like and it doesn't sound great um then you know what the film it actually is rather than the film it appears to be or even to an extent the film was marketed to be it, it's insane that this film was marketed as a vinnie jones serial killer movie rather than a Bradley Cooper movie, it, it, you know, because that's is you know, all the posters and all the trailers were very heavily focused on it being a Vinnie Jones movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, you know, it, it's insane to think, you know, now, you know, five years later, that they didn't market it as a Bradley Cooper movie. It, it, it's weird to look at that, but yeah, it, it's a, it's a solid fucking, a little bit mental movie um, that certainly, you know. If you're a, a horror fan or, or that kind of aesthetic fan, you'll get a lot of fucking fun out of. Yeah, absolutely. 
go on, hit us with one of your old or one new. I need to rewatch Midnight in Train. It's it's a solid watch. I watched it on on UK Netflix. Oh, uh, is it? Oh shit. Yeah, okay. I watched it on UK Netflix. Started watching it last night at about quarter to twelve. Um, and after it was like, do you know what? Thoroughly enjoyed that. There's some fucking great gore in yeah. it as well. And it's not just gore for gore's sake. It has a there, there point. There is actually a plot point to it, isn't there? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but there's, there's a bit where Vinnie Jones is, is essentially pulling out uh, um, bits of, of, of people. So he's taking off, like, he's shaving people's you know, corpses, essentially, hair. And he's pulling off, like, fingernails and it just you can watch all these things like him popping an eyeball out and him shaving off hair and doing all that and you watch it going oh that's a bit grim but then when it gets to him pulling off fingernails i'm like oh no can't watch yeah, that yeah. can't watch fingernails so I'm like i'm covering all of the bit of the screen i can see around except just like a corner so i know when the scenes change <laughs> like uh, right fingernails have gone there's a moment in Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me where Keith Sutherland and Chris um, Isaac Isaacs are, 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 are pulling off uh, um, the, the, uh, Teresa Palmer's, uh, Teresa Banks' fingernail. And every time that scene comes out, I'm like, oh no, God no. And I cover my eyes. And it's only as I'm covering my eyes, I go, oh, but it's the sound as well. Yeah. Ah! <laughs> and it, 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 it fingernail. Ah, oh, it's horrible. Ah! Nice. Um, oh, bloody hell. Uh, so, yeah, no, I'll, I'll, I'll do my one new. So, um, again, just like trying to get through 2013 stuff. And um, and uh, this actually came out in UK cinemas this weekend as well. Very busy weekend. And this was like one of the lesser notable entries, frankly. Oh, right. I don't, I don't know what yeah. So this is um, directed by the guy who did the Dungeons and Dragons movie. So there's a piece of quality if ever you know it. Uh, bringing together the the team that everyone has always ever wanted, ever, ever, ever. Ethan Hawke and Selena Gomez. Um, Getaway. Um, so Getaway opens up and just gets going straight away. It's kind of insane just how quickly it gets going and then it just kind of fills you in once you've had the first slight chase scene so basically story is um uh, I, I believe an uncredited John Voigt has set Ethan Hawke's character up. He's like an ex-race car driver. And uh, John Voigt has uh, had his wife kidnapped. And he basically phones Ethan Hawke and he essentially says, get in this car. The car's got cameras all over it. And you're going to do everything I say. You're not going to alert the police, blah, blah, blah. Otherwise, I'm going to kill your wife. And literally, the start of the film is like this woozy kind of thing where it's like Ethan Hawke's point of view. And he like goes into his home and he can see shits all over the place. And he just gets like and then he runs, basically runs to his car and starts driving. And it just starts. Um, and that that's kind of indicative of the fact that the, the film, I mean, it's called Getaway. It's. A, you know, it's a driving action movie and it's very, very, very pacey. It's very pacey. It, it, and I mean, even though I will say I watched most of this, uh, rather drunk. So, uh, there, 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 that is a caveat. Then again, this is the kind of film that maybe drinking would help, frankly. Um, and yeah, it, it just gets going and it's essentially, 
action scene, exposition, action scene, exposition. But that's fine, because to be honest, the action kind of outweighs the exposition. Um, when the action scenes are actually happening, there's, they're barely even talking to each other. It's just... Um, oh, and I should say Selena Gomez. She um, uh, basically forces her way into the car for reasons that you actually find out quite quickly. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, so... Um, yeah, I, I, they, really, they, just... really. So, 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 so that bit in the trailer where, where where she's carjacking him, she isn't just carjacking him. Not really, kind of, but not Cause, really. Because you don't get that at all from the trailer, do you? Yeah, no. Um, they 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 explain very quickly, but she. I mean, what it is is what it is. She is pointing a gun at him and saying, "Get out of the car," and she means it. But there's stuff going on so yeah uh but like you i i don't i don't want to say just because there's barely anything you can spoil in this film and even though the film actually tells you 30 seconds in i you know i don't want to tell you so um but yeah yeah no i mean and, and the thing is the action is really really well handled the the cameras it a lot of it is filmed from these kind of cameras that look kind of like consumer grade cameras like in in the car and kind of just looking outside the car and it's got like a very digital look to it and it's also the fact that i it's filmed somewhere in eastern europe where i think maybe they were allowed to get away with a bit more than you usually expect there doesn't feel like there's any cg in this and it's just cars going down really small stairways and crashing into like this park and driving through crowds of people and you know like cars chasing them and then other cars like fucking t-boning them it, it, it you know some of it is pretty fucking mental and it's crowned off by this shot in the third act which genuinely will be one of my shots of the year it's just oh, nice. it's a one take uninterrupted like as if it's a video game kind of like not in the in the cockpit, but kind of like you've you've taken it off and you're just like going full screen looking at what's going on. And you're just hearing Ethan Hawke's character going like, come on, come on, come on. And like you're hearing the gears shift. And it's just this one take thing where he is just going really fast and other cars like are getting really fucking close to him at junctions and not hitting him. And I swear to God, that shit must have been real. Because if not, it looks really, really good. So, you know, the action stuff, I actually give it a mild recommend based on that alone and how pacey it is. But it has to be said, Ethan Hawke's obviously not trying. Selena Gomez is not very good in this at all. Um, John Voight is just putting on an accent and that's it. And the story is as dumb as a bag of hammers. Like... There's just all sorts of shit in it that makes no sense whatsoever. The ending, the last minute of the film, it's just like, what? This makes no sense whatsoever. Then what was that about? And why did you say that earlier? It, it's kind of brutal in that way. But in terms of dumb as fuck, but actually quite interesting and fun action, give it a go. Essentially, from the from the trailers of what you say, it sounds and looks like a 
proper modern day genre B movie. Yeah, it is. I mean, but I mean, but I mean, it really is done. Like it's really, really, really done. But you know what? I, I could watch. I, I, I could watch a ninety-minute film starring Ethan Hawke and um, the human Grumpy Cat easily. I think you'll enjoy it, to be honest. I mean, I gave it... And I, I think I probably will, because I like terrible films. I gave it 3 out of 5. I think you might go 3.5. I will... Uh, do you know what? I'm, I'm going I'm, I'm, to... You know, anyway, I will watch it this week, and I will tell you... I, I will no doubt be gushing about it on Twitter. Exactly. Uh, as people tell me how shit it is, and I go, like, well, you're just wrong. I just, like, I... You know, it, it, it's bombed horribly. Like, ratio of, like, budget to money it's made, it's one of the biggest bombs of the year. And I can... Is it? Because it, it's, it's pulled in um, over, well, over half its budget. Let's have a look. I've got... I've got saying that it's pulled in off an 18 million budget, it's pulled in over 10. But still, I still think in terms of in, ter- I mean, in terms of ratio, that, that, that of, won't include what it's made in the UK this week. Sorry, that won't include what it's made in the UK this week. How much did it make? Probably about a quid per hour. Fucking! I saw a tweet from someone earlier on saying Old Boy made a hundred grand. Whoa, that can't be right. Yeah. The thing, the thing is, like, it's just like anywhere showing it is only showing it late, basically. It is, yeah. Which is brutal for a Josh Brolin starring Spike Lee director. But then again, Spike Lee, a lot of his stuff goes direct to DVD these days. But yeah, brutal. He's yeah. Um, God, from the trailers though, I saw a trailer on on the um, before I saw what was it called last week. Yeah. Terrible memory. Um, Neither of us can remember, can we? Uh, come Carrie. on. Carrie. Carrie. Oh, yeah, of course we did. Um, I saw a trailer for, um, for Old Boy before Carrie. And while I was watching it, that trailer, I did look at it and think, this doesn't feel very cinematic. Mm. It looks like the sort of thing that would normally go straight to straight to VOD. It felt weird looking at it like that and you know and it, I mean it has got panned. Yeah. From all part. And I've not I've not seen a single person try to defend it to be honest. Yeah. Interesting like the getaway as well, well getaway as well. It's it's that I'm pretty sure it is. That's Joe Silver's last film with Warner Brothers, isn't it? Yeah, 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 because he was part of Dark Castle, wasn't he? And I think this was the last film they did before they um kind of disbanded that. Yeah, uh, yeah. So it's it's his, Joel Silver's last film with with Warner Brothers. But Joel, Joel, I mean, Joel Silver, bless him. He just hasn't had a hit in ages, has he? Like last proper. Oh, well, I suppose the Sherlock Holmes hit. films. Yeah, Sherlock Holmes film. He's he's had he's had medium hits, but he's not he's not had anything of the level of sort of you know the Lethal Weapon movies or. The Matrix, or things like that, or Predator and Die Hard, and things like that that he was getting in, you know, in sort of like the eighties and nineties, where everything. I mean, fucking hell. Uh, his, you go back and look over his producer filmography. 
Warriors, which was a big hit. You know, it got pulled from cinemas because it was inciting gang violence, mm. but it was it was a it was a hit. Forty Hours is a massive hit. Streets of Fire is an incredible movie, but wasn't a massive hit. But Brewster's Millions, Weird Science, Commando, Jumping Jack Flash, Lethal Weapon, Predator, Action Jackson, Die Hard, Roadhouse, Lethal Weapon Two, Die Hard Two. They were all in a row. I haven't missed any out. So from like Brewster's Millions to Die Hard Two, he couldn't do any fucking wrong. Yeah. Then he did Predator Two, Hudson Hawk, and Ricochet. I I, yeah, I mean, I'm just looking here. I mean, Jesus Christ, he. I don't know. He's not doing anything too big these days, is it? I mean, non-stop, which is that um, that Liam Neeson on a plane film with Julianne Moore. You mean um, Taken? Yeah, like Taken on an airplane. Yeah. May as well actually just be called Taken on an airplane. It actually makes it, sense. It, 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 it may as well just be Liam Neeson is Taken on an airplane. Brutal. Um, but yeah, so but yeah, yeah, yeah. No, totally. It was the um, yeah, last one, so bloody hell. Um, yeah, so that, that's all I had to say about Getaway. Give it a go. It's cool. it's more, fun, frankly, I think it's more fun than you've been led to believe. Cool. I'll, I'll, I shall definitely get to it. I'm actually kind of looking forward to it now, to be honest. Solid. Cool. Go on then, bud. Let's right. have your one new. My uh, one new uh, was I watched a, a gap in my Paul Walker um, um watching. Uh, the only one that I hadn't seen. Uh, I'd seen maybe ten minutes of it and then turned it off uh, years ago. Um, uh, but I decided to get a watch and it's uh, the 2005 film uh, Into the Blue uh, directed by John Stockwell oh, yeah. uh, who directed nothing else. Uh, well nothing else that anyone should give a shit about anyway. Um, uh, Sam Paul Walker and Jessica Alba's Bottom uh, as well, uh, I think the rest of them might be in it, but I really don't think anyone else cared. Um, Scott Kahn um, and Josh Brolin uh, and Tyson Beckford doing a really weird voice. Um, the the story is um, Paul Walker plays a character called Jared, uh, who is a lives in the Bahamas um, and teaches scuba diving but wants to be kind of like a treasure hunter um, as a girlfriend um, played by Jessica Alba's bottom uh, called Sam uh, who she is some kind of um, shark expert apparently at a local thing don't really matter um, but what happens is uh, is his best friend Bryce um, turns up to visit uh, him and Sam uh, with uh, a random girl that he met in the airport, it would seem. Uh, and what would you know? Bryce is a uh, a hotshot defense attorney. <laughs> who have you seen this? Film? No, it sounds brilliant. Oh God, so all this is new, right? He's a hotshot defense attorney. Who would you have it? His law firm, um, in exchange for services, have been by a drug dealer have been given a. Uh, beachside uh, villa um, in the Bahamas as well as a boat. So they go off and do shenanigans on the boat and end up not only discovering some what could be some treasure from a old sunken ship that's supposed to not actually exist, they also discover a, a plane that has crashed 
that has about a hundred million dollars of cocaine of on it. Um, and basically, hijinks uh, occur where you know they they need money to get to um, to get the equipment to to basically to see if this ship is there and to look for all this treasure that's been thrown up by a hurricane that's gone through and you know to do that and to declare it as a site that only they can look at they have to prove in some way that this is that ship uh, all the while whilst trying to keep Scott Khan and his um, girlfriend that he's just met uh, away from this uh, crashed aeroplane with a hundred million dollars cocaine on it um, that essentially is the story um, it really though it is just an hour and 40 minutes of that story mixed in with shots of Paul Walker uh, without a shirt on and um, Jess Crowley's bottom. That's it. Mm. That's basically the film. And do you know what? It's a bloody enjoyable film. <laughs> it's... You know what you were saying about Getaway, where it is just stupid? Yeah, this film is fucking stupid. And it is ridiculous. But it absolutely knows that it's stupid and it's ridiculous. And I had an absolute blast with it. It is it is dumb enough and funny enough and knowing enough to actually be quite entertaining. Um, Josh Brolin, and this is, again, pre-No Country for Old Men, Josh Brolin. Josh Brolin is actually really fucking good in it and his character actually has quite a good arc uh, but it's it is the sort of film where if in the next few weeks you're, you've got a baby on one arm and a bottle in the other and you're thinking and it's three in the morning and all you're wanting to do is just ensure that the baby doesn't make too much noise to wake Donna up so you go I need something to be on so that 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 if at any point the baby starts crying and I've got to change a nappy, I can come back to it five minutes later and I won't have missed anything. Yeah. Or if I have missed something, doesn't it doesn't matter. fucking matter yeah. because in a minute I'm going to get to look at Paul Walker without his shirt on or Jessica Alba's bottom. That's it. Nice. It'll be great for that. And, and it is just dumb, stupid. I need to switch off and just watch something that I don't really need to pay that much attention to that will make me go, when I need to go, and it'll make me go, Jesus Christ, Jeff Crowell has got a nice bottle. (laughs) Uh, um, And then occasionally you'll go, wait a minute, she's she's got a face as well? (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, no. Ah, I don't like that. That is this film. Uh, An absolute blast with it, and I, I will say it right now, I will watch this film probably once every year or every couple of years, just when I'm having a, had a bit of a shit day and I just want to switch off. Fair play. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, uh, yeah, no, I, 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 I'll, I'll probably watch that, actually. Fair play. You could literally, you could literally, while you are watching it, right, write down things that are going to happen later in the movie and have it as like a bingo thing. And I will guarantee you out of the five or six things that you write down, they'll all happen. Nice. 
Okay. Go on then, what's your one old? Um, I'll, I'll just talk about it really briefly. It's the only one old I've watched this week, um, you know, Black Christmas aside. And um, we reviewed it on the show, I believe. Yeah, I think we did anyway. Um, Alan Partridge, Alpha Papa. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. So I, I, I'll just say, um, it. frankly, it's way better suited on the small screen, which is, I know it sounds obvious, but it works so much better on the small screen. The cinematography is not as much of a bother because it, it basically is lit like a TV show throughout. Um, the Without having other people in the audience laughing, I, I, I think some of the... The, the smaller jokes get get you know more of an airing which uh, which I like. Uh, pace didn't bother me as much as it did first time round. Uh, I think Coogan uh, it is just very 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 fucking funny. It's it's a very 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 funny film, and in terms of like TV to film adaptations, it's up there with the best of them. I yeah I I still I just I I just I it, it, they can't. It can't be helped. That's the thing. But I just wish the production value was higher. That I, I, I just wish it was more of a film and not an extended TV episode. That's all I've got to say. But next to something like the Inbetweeners movie, it's fucking Citizen Kane. So, you know. <laughs> that, that, that's, that's all I've got on Alpha Papa, to be honest. It is still very, 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 very funny. I will watch it again. I'd be up for seeing another Alan Partridge film in a few years. I you know, just hopefully it would have a bigger budget done. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm looking forward to rewatching it again. I, I think, like I said, when we reviewed the movie, I'm not a, a huge Alan Partridge fan. Um, and Becky um, doesn't like the character Alan Partridge at all. But she still said to me, should I watch it? And I said, to be honest, I think you'll actually quite enjoy it. Um, so... I'll be watching that again with her on the next couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, I, I really liked it and looking forward to seeing what I think about it, like you say, watching on a, on the small screen. Yeah, yeah, totally. So, um, but I mean, I still gave it the same, the same star rating. Like, it just, that aspect bothered me less, but it is still, I, I think it's as much of a problem, frankly. It's just I was a bit better with it on, on a smaller screen. So there you go. Still a solid four out of five for me. So uh, that's it for one on one you. I am going to get a beer and then we are going to crack into Bob Clark's Black Christmas, the latest part of our Christmas marathon. Cool. I'm going to urinate. And uh, Ian's just coming in from the future a little bit here just to say that the... Uh, the Black Christmas trailer is awesome, but it is also about four minutes long. So if you if you want to listen to the craziness, the crazy craziness of the trailer, please do so and indulge. But if not, if you um, fast forward about four minutes or so, I think it's about four and a half minutes even maybe, uh, then you'll get to the review. Just so you know.
high school girl's been murdered. Mr. Harrison's daughter is missing. And now at the house where she lives, the other girls are getting obscene phone calls. Yeah, what I've done is I've tapped his phone so that when it rings, it'll ring at the station house, too. There was a little girl murdered over in the park tonight. Yes, I heard. Your phone's ringing. Terminal 55. Remember those idyllic scenes out of your childhood? Crisp winter nights, star bright, sleigh bells, crackling yule logs, candlelight glistening off of shimmering Christmas trees, chestnuts roasting over open fires, carolers beneath snow-covered window ledges. Remember those. Remember them well. After Black Christmas, they'll never be the same again. Black Christmas, starring Olivia Hussey, Keir Dulay, Margot Kidder, and starring John Saxon as Lieutenant Fuller. If this movie doesn't make your skin crawl, it's on too tight. Okay, so that was the trailer for Bob Clark's Black Christmas, 1974 film starring Olivia Hussey, Margot Kidder, John Saxon, and others. Um... Story, uh, what have we got here then? So, uh, a killer breaks into a sorority house and takes up residence in the attic. Uh, and basically, Crank calls, uh, sorority girls in the house, uh, played by, uh, led by Olivia Hussey and Margot Kidder, and, um, kind of takes it from there and then starts killing them, really. Uh, so, Black Christmas. Mark, what do you think? Uh, Black Christmas is an absolutely wonderful film. Um, it is. It's one of those films. That, I think I said off off uh, off mic um, earlier. It's one of those films where, where you, you forget how good it is, or I do anyway, until I'm actually watching it. And it's it is so creepy and just nasty and eerie feeling. Um, it's you get a feeling. I get, when I was watching it today. Um, I, I, I watched it quite early in the morning. I watched it about sort of half nine, ten o'clock in the morning. Um, and I, I luckily, uh, I thought, you know what? I'm gonna, I, 
I'm going to watch this, you know, my volume up a little bit. I couldn't quite hear what was what was happening. Uh, and then the bits, there's certain bits where it goes fucking super loud. Now I started thinking this, I bet watching this in a dark fucking cinema with, you know, a cinematic um, sound system, I bet the, 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 those moments, the crazy fucking phone call moments are creepy as fuck because they're creepy enough coming out of my TV. Uh, and it was just, it was all of that going on. Um, it just felt, it feels really eerie and it's, it's a proper great kind of introduction to, you know, what would be um, the slasher films that we get, got after it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Black Christmas may, may, may be, it's, I, I, it's definitely like top five horrors of all time for me, Black Christmas. I fucking adore this film. Now, I just want to say before I forget, that point you were making about the phone calls, which I absolutely agree with, the great thing about the phone calls is the fact that when those phone calls are, are playing, there is nothing else in the soundtrack. No, It yeah. is just that guy making those noises. And the great thing about them is that the first phone call is really, really disturbing, but it's not quite the rantings of just someone who's completely off his trolley because right at the end of that first one where he just says i'm going to kill you and then hangs yeah. up it it's just the creepiest fucking thing and it's the atmosphere of the film throughout which does it like the you know the, the fact that like the locations it's like it's getting kind of sparser and sparser and it it always looks like it's just really cold and kind of lonely. And there's also like, I mean, there, there's some genuine comedy in the film, but there's also stuff that like is just disturbing. Like the fact that, you know, frankly, I mean, like that, that the, 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 the father guy, uh, uh, the father of Claire, he might well be a kind of an uppity, stuck up old man. But he is also just a man trying to find his daughter. And the fact that the audience knows throughout that she's gone and it's mm. only a matter of, you know, it, it, you know, he's basically on a hiding to nothing throughout. Then it's just it is really that stuff is really upsetting. And yet the more comedic bits fit in perfectly well as well. I mean, Margot Kidder, who I think is probably my MVP of the film. Yeah, without question, I'd agree on that. Yeah, she's fantastic. And, you know, she, like, she's got the kind of the flirty, drunk college student who's constantly pissing about thing down well. I mean, her interactions with that officer about, like, the, the area code fellatio is brilliant, but also the great thing, and I'll stop in a second, the great thing about that whole thing is that it's one of a number of scenes that points out the complete incompetence of that officer. Like, he is kind of comedic side relief, but he also makes the situation worse several times through the film. And Mm. the the balance of of the tones that Bob Clark manages to do here it's fucking expert yeah it, it is it, 
it's it's, a, it's strange where Bob Clark's career kind of went after mm. this. Um, you know, he, he he essentially went on to make really sort of quite sort of family friendly movies with the occasional random one like Pork is thrown in. Uh, but it's a really well-crafted movie. There's a perfect word to describe it. There's a lot of atmosphere in it. It feels quite foreboding all of the time. Sure. The fact that, like you say, you, you know you know all along. Uh, there's no, there's less mystery to it. The only thing you don't know is who it is. You know who it's really. You kind of know who it's not. And you know he's in the house. And you know the girl's already been killed. And all of these things that normally they, they like to kind of hold back in in slashers, you know. And then this is a slasher before slashers became a thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, certainly. Uh, and that's, that's, a, that's a key bit because sort of bits that are in this, uh, like the you're seeing it from the, the first person POV of the, um, of the killer, um, you, these these things they, they, this isn't the first time that they were used and it, you know you can go back and it's been used before but it's the first time really they were kind of used in this kind of context um, and it's it, it's now a very familiar feeling around it all and you can see where so many other films have, have picked from this you can see where John Carpenter has, has kind of seen this and gone hmm I like that, and then people have gone with John Carpenter's and gone, oh, right, I like that, and it all flows through. Like you're saying, Margot Kidder, her performance is brilliant, because she's she covers a wave of kind of different um, character traits within it. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, I mean the what also helps with the, um, I mean, with the atmosphere as well for me is... Um, the score or like the lack of score the fact that it basically is it's like the sound of peter smashing up that piano that's the only music you ever get is kind of like the and 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 that's it which i i i just think is is marvelous you know it's just it's fuck is so fucking creepy and also i mean like the, the character of um billy the killer um the fact that you never really get any explanation of him whatsoever, but yeah. there's like just in the in the phone calls, you just get little things like about there's one bit where he's saying, "Oh, Agnes, don't don't tell them what we did," you know, and it's like, what the fuck is that supposed to mean? You know, yeah, you know, and like and then like the the, the him putting on the voice of the mum, just kind of like shouting at him or whatever. It's it's great. I mean, the you know the the remake. I don't remember the remake that well, which is probably a good thing. But if I remember correctly, the remake spends like a good ten fifteen minutes at the start just setting up Billy. And it's a piece of shit. The remake. Sorry. It's a piece. Of it, shit it's terrible. It's brutal. I do not know what the fuck they were doing because it was Glenn Morgan as well, um, and, and it was like written by him and James Wong, who were former X Files writers. And they did uh, Final Destination. Um, yeah. The, the, the key moment that they, that, where they fucked up on the remake of this movie is, I think, when they remade it as Black Xmas. Yeah, sure. Um, I think they thought they could make a better movie. Yeah. That was I, that was the problem. I, thought, I think that they thought, oh, we're remaking not a, a movie that isn't actually very good. 
and it it is actually a really fucking good movie. It's it's, it's a stunning piece of horror to me that I've I've mm. I've seen it now like five or six times, and it never ever ever stops being creepy. Ever. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, I think I've I've seen it. I, I must have seen it sort of four or five times. Yeah, and watched it this morning. I, I was and I watched it in the fucking morning. Um, sat in my PJs drinking a coffee. Uh, we want my cats on my knee, and I was still fucking creeped out about yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it just—I I don't know. It's—it's—it's it's, it's things like when when Billy's like going nuts, and it's all first person yeah. as well. And he, he's going nuts, and he's like fucking pushing the girl with the the, the bag over her, and just that really shocked, um, upsetting look on her face. And he's rocking it back and forth, and he's smashing shit up, and he's just screaming. And it's just, what the fuck is going on? Why is he doing this? And you never, ever, 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 ever get any explanation. The, the bit where uh, the house mother's in the loft bit, and you just see him behind with the hook. Oh, with the hands. Oh, yeah. my God. And, and, he, and he's just there, and you can just see him behind, and you think, Oh, you know, it's uh, you, you know it's coming, but it's still, it's still creepy, and it's that's the trick with horror is if you can show what's going to happen and and get people and not and have it not be a surprise, but still be able to maintain that creepy and eerie feeling. Um, that's where so many horrors fail nowadays. Is that not only, is that they try and a surprise you with what happens. And then go too far afterwards, rather than showing you what's going to happen and then having that bit be quick. It's the what happens is quick, and then the aftermath gets lingered on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, totally. I, I, it's yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. And I mean, I don't know. It's just like the the Margot Kidder murder is fantastic, and just the fact that you know, two minutes beforehand, she like gets Olivia Hussey in the room and saying like, I, I, it felt like there was someone here. You know, and it's it just like it's actually watching me. Yeah, it, it's it's the audience's prior knowledge and just waiting for this all to play out. It's it's horrific. I mean, like even towards the end, like where it's, um, you know, Peter who has just basically gone mad. Um, but, it, it, you know, and he is a, quite the threat to Olivia Hussey's character himself, you know. But I mean, like the the the, the fact that, it, you know, you know it's not him yeah. throughout, you know. And and then, again, I mean, like, it plays up that thing in, in, in the end sequence as well. And I remember the first time I watched this film, that when all the people were leaving and then it's her by herself... You, yes, I know what you're going to say. You, you're just expecting a massive jump scare. You, yeah. you expect, and then there's just not. And then, and then you... But, but through, through that... For me, it was a wonderful shot from the moment everybody leaves mm. and she's just in the bed because it lingers on that bed for a long yeah. oh, time. Yeah. It's not like it's a good 30, 40 seconds, which is a long time to just linger on a still shot of nothing happening. Yeah. And then it, you're thinking, well, in a minute, it's going to appear from like behind the bed or the door's going to slam shut or something like that. And then it doesn't and it moves around. And you're thinking he's going to be stood there, and you, you all the time you're thinking, and then all of a sudden it just pans up into the loft, and then it just pans out, and then the credits come, and, and it, it's that it just adds more to that 
that eeriness of the film. And, I mean, the, the, and it, it's a wonderful, wonderful way to end that, that this particular movie. Yeah, totally. And I mean, I mean the, the thing is as well, like the film does do jump scares through it. So it's it's mm. not it's not like we're just being conditioned today watching it to expect a jump scare. There's a fantastic one early on, uh, the first killing, um, when she's looking in the wardrobe and then he just like lunges out at her. Yeah, it's, it's great. It's a really good scare. And and so and and, and um, yeah, I mean there's the the there's the uh, the the house mother as well. You know, I mean it. It, 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 I don't know, the scares, there's a mixture of kind of jump scares and just more creepy atmosphere scares, and it just, it really hits the nail on the head. It does, it, it's, it's a really, it's a really well-crafted horror film. Yeah, yeah, I, that's, that's, that's the thing, I, I just, I genuinely don't have a bad thing to say about it, I can't think of a bad thing to say about Black Christmas. No, the, the the only if, if there's only one thing that that I think you could maybe I've got is I think Olivia Hussey on a couple of occasions it's a bit like she she's not magnificent, but that would be nitpick. Yeah, I mean that that's true. I mean again, I suppose if you did want to nitpick, the guy who plays Peter is also he's a little bit too highly strung. I mean, their relationship, like, she's very, very, very low-key, like, almost asleep on a couple of occasions, and he is just really fucking intense, like, yeah, all the yeah. way through. But, but then again, that's also, you know, that is actually highlighted in the movie that that's what he's like. Yeah. You know, she says he's to the, the police officer, he's an artist, he, and he is quite highly strung. Um, you know, John Saxon's great in this again, playing you know essentially the same character as he would go on to play in Halloween. Uh, no, no, in Halloween uh, in Elm uh, Street. Yeah, the, uh, uh, the the kind of like the the sheriff who's got a bee in his bonnet about something and isn't really focusing on the actual thing. Like in the end of the day, he focuses on Peter, even though she says at one point, "Yes, he was." He, was, he here. was here when one of the calls happened. It wasn't he, he, him. And he focuses on it so much that he actually manages to start convincing Olivia Hussey yeah. that it might be him. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a great film. Yeah, I uh, don't have anything more to say on it. Definitely not shit. It, if you've not yeah, seen Black Christmas, all right, we spoil it for you, frankly. But fuck, it, it's a great, great horror film. Without question. Brilliant. So um, we'll move into Twitter question, as we only have one. Two. Have we? Oh, right then. Yeah, two. I think we should have got two. Now. Okay. Um, well, I've got um, at John Zorla, John Anderson, who says, what is the most random movie you always watch at Christmas? I assume he, he means watch at Christmas. Yeah. Um, I don't really have one. Um, any Christmas movies that I watch regularly at Christmas are because they're Christmas movies. I, I don't, I don't have a, I just don't have one. I do. Go on. Every Boxing Day I watch all the Rocky movies. No, all, all, all the Rambo movies. <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> no, 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 sorry, not, not every Boxing Day actually, it's not every Boxing Day. It's usually the 27th. And this is the, re the reason why is, um, up until recently, it didn't happen last year, I did still watch the movies last year. Um, is 
we have Christmas Day, um, where it's myself and Becky have the more and Isabel have the morning here. Then we've got Becky's parents for lunch. Then we've got my sisters for the evening. Then on um, Boxing Day, we've got Becky's parents again because her dad's kids from his previous marriage, they come around and they have like a second almost Christmas Day kind of thing. And then on the 27th, um, Becky and her parents and Isabel usually go to the uh, pantomime. Okay. And I despise pantomime. <laughs> I hate it. Absolutely hate it. It is the Adam fucking Sandler of theatre. Um, and so I don't go. So they all go off and I sit at home on the 27th and I watch all the Rambo movies and I get quietly drunk. Nice. Uh, and that is that is what I do. So I watch, and the thing is, this year, last year, Becky didn't go to the part of mine, but she still went out because she went out with some work friends. But this year, on the 27th, I'm at work on the night. So I can't do it on the 27th. I think I'm going to do it on the 28th. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so that, that's mine. I watch all, uh, I used to watch all three of the Rambo movies, now I watch all four of the Rambo movies. Very nice. Uh, oh, uh, uh, we, got, we have got another question. Yeah, if, yeah. if you want to say it, so I can't see it. Uh, it's Tom. Um, yeah, very cinematic. Um, the Nymphomaniac trailer was accidentally shown to kids in a US cinema. How would you explain this to your own kids? Um, if I buy you an ice cream, will you forget about this forever? <laughs> Uh, I'd explain it saying, first people saying, that looks awesome, but you can't know why yet, and then when you do know why, you can't tell me why. Nice. Okay? Yes. And then I'd probably say, now, do you want an ice cream? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ice cream, ice cream solves everything with children. The, fi- the, I- the thing is, in the end of the day, I'm never going to get into this situation, because if I'll know when a trailer starts that, you know, whether it's appropriate or not. You know what I mean? Like, you, you could just tell from the mood and also the fact that, frankly, I probably would have seen the trailer before... You know, I see most trailers before they play in the cinema anyway. So it's like, if one did play accidentally, I'd just be like, close your eyes, put your fingers in your ears now. Yeah, there is there is the occasional thing when you've got kids that where somebody says something on a TV show, and it could be like an episode of the a newer episode of The Simpsons where they've become obsessed with everything having a sexual innuendo. Um, or you'll watch an episode of a TV show that you think is perfectly fine to watch and then something overtly, you'd openly be sending you with there going, oh shit, I hope I don't get asked the question. Yeah. Um, I've got, I, 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 Isabel wants, um, similar thing happened with, with Becky and Isabel was watching something and, and something very, very openly sexual happened. Isabel turned round to Becky and said, Mummy, um, what is sex? And oh, Becky said that she, she did the bumbling thing of, um, 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 and Isabel's response was, uh-huh, I'm just kidding, I know what it is. Yeah. And they're like, you bastard child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She does that and it's, I can see her kind of looking at me whenever I'm watching anything, anything like that kind of happens, and I get a little bit kind of like uncomfortable. I can sort of turn around and look, and she's just looking at me and kind of laughing this yeah, yeah, laugh of, of 
I can see that you're really uncomfortable. I've got that to come. You you do have all that to come, and you're having a girl. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that was the only two questions we had. Uh, for shame, people. Yeah, you fuckers. Yeah. So that'll be that then. Um, yeah. So, um, right, okay. So next week, uh, who knows? Um, kids due on Friday. So um, the thirteenth. Sorry. The thirteenth. Yeah, yeah. Friday the thirteenth. So. Um, I saw so that. I kind of do and kind of don't, but we'll, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, is that is that because if it does happen, anytime it does something evil, you're gonna look at her and go, "Oh fuck, maybe." I just, I know, I just think it would be funny. It would be. But funny. um, <laughs> but yeah, so we, yeah, who knows what's gonna happen next week? If there is a show, I imagine it's probably gonna be the Streets of Fire commentary. Yes. Um. So there's that. Um. So that was also probably the last part in the Christmas Marathon, I dare say. Probably, yes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. We'll obviously be on Twitter giving updates and whatnot. But, yeah. If there's a show next week, it'll be Streets of Fire. If there's not a show next week, uh, there'll be Streets of Fire at some point, And then a show where we review Anchorman and maybe that'll just be a shorter show where we just do that and one old one new. Oh, what I'll throw out there is is, is we might... Because I, I will at some point over the next um, couple of weeks, we'll say, be watching Christmas Vacation. Because I watch it every year. All right, if... Yeah, so, okay. If, 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 if time allows... If, but I doubt it. And you want to watch Christmas movie... Watch Christmas Vacation. Yeah, okay. I, I, it's personally, I doubt it. But if we do do another normal show before Christmas, we'll do Christmas Vacation as well. Otherwise, we'll just save it for next year. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. So, might get a little bit all over the place for a little while and, and, now. And, yeah, and the show, although being as regular as we can get it, the format might change a little bit yeah yeah i mean just you know just just for a little while just in terms of just recording something and getting it out there just so that we are actually recording mm. that kind of thing but yeah it'll still be it'll still be an exceptionally high quality it just might not That's be that we're covering um we might not be covering cinematic movies we might be we'll, we'll we might not be doing things that have just been released. We'll say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, 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 you know, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But you know, with with VOD being as um, as good as it is, I mean, like you know, in the end of the day, I mean, over the last couple of months, I mean, we've reviewed at least two films that were just US VOD titles. So <laughs> you know, I mean, that that could help. But then, I mean, like you know, in January, frankly, I I do. I, I do expect I'll be seeing Twelve Years a Slave and Wolf of Wall Street in the cinema, you know, at, at least. So there, there's that as well. But you know, we'll see what happens. It's just you know, it's 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 quite it's going to be quite a change in my life. So you know, it's going to be a fun fucking time for you. Yeah, sure. Uh, it really is. It's going to be an amazing time. The fact that you're having you you know your first kid sort of like two weeks before Christmas is going to be 
it, it, it's one of those strange things. I, and I was actually talking about it with, with Noel. It is one of those strange things where it is amazing how quickly um, you're, you automatically switch routines. Yeah, Noel was saying to me the other day, actually, you just get into just, a rhythm. And, and, it, and, and, and it is this amazing life-changing thing. And it, it does completely change your life in, in every single way. But it is strange how you think that all of these things are going to be affected by it. And then when it actually settles down and all the dust settles and all the, the wonderness settles a little bit, you kind of go, actually, it's more me that's changed rather than the everything I do. Yeah, yeah that's fair. So it's going to be, we might have a few little sort of choppy weeks, but, you know, I mean, we'll, we'll definitely settle into them. Into yeah, I mean, we'll, we will have a review of the year, like, week, where it might just be, like, two episodes in a week or something like that, because um, it just depends how long we go on that. I mean, we will have a Streets of Fire commentary, we've been promising it for ages, and that is going to happen before the end of the year, like, n- no doubt for sure, 100%. We we keep in the same format for our review of the year show as we did last year. Uh, yeah, sounds good. We did it where we did, we did it uh, where we did a timed thing, didn't we? Oh god, yeah, we did, didn't we? Yeah, we timed it so you could have. Was it a minute or was it two minutes? Something like that. I'll listen back. I'll listen back, but I, I think we should do that. Okay, again. that's fine. That yeah, that's 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 perfectly doable. Um, cool. But yeah, so um, we'll you know we'll let you know on Twitter and whatnot about like, like what's going on. I mean, we say all this, and then next week, you know, you know what? Next week we'll probably just be back with the Streets of Fire commentary. <laughs> so yeah, you know, but um, we'll 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 see how it goes. <laughs> anyway. It, yeah, if there's a gap of a week, it, it, it doesn't mean I say we're going. Anywhere. Yeah, yeah, no, it, yeah, exactly. Like, if there is no show next week, you know what's going on. So, there's cool. that. So, yeah, but yeah, Mark, anything else to say at all? No, just thank you very much for listening. Uh, like you say, questions you think at all throughout the week, fire them on over to us. We will say them, we will answer them. Uh, any feedback is always greatly received. iTunes reviews. Uh, it is always nice. Uh, people interacting uh, with us on Twitter, uh, either via the Doing the Monkey or at, at Ian Loring or at DudeBuzz, you know, just kind of like saying, you know, bits they liked about the show or commenting on films that we watched in the show, it, it really does I don't know about Ian, I'm, I'm guessing it does uh, but it gives you a sense of, you know, it, it's fucking cool that people are liking what yeah, we're doing. Absolutely. 100% man, yeah. Cool. Yeah, so, uh, sorry, I forgot I was hosting for a second there. So, uh, yeah, you caught me out there. Um, so, yeah, that's it. So, um, we will speak to you at some point in the future. Who knows when? And uh, good night. Yeah, folks.